0: Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking about the sales and marketing connection with Erica Lanyon. She's the VP of Marketing at SourceDay. Erica has been both a marketing consultant and a corporate marketing leader for most of her career. Uh, enabling her to identify the right prospects in the right markets and engage with them along the customer buying journey. She's a knack for building marketing departments from the ground up and transforming them into accountable revenue gathering centers of excellence. Erica, excited to have you on the podcast today.
1: Great. Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: So the first thing I want to jump into with you is how you got into the B2B marketing field specifically.
1: Yes, definitely. So um, I am fortunate to live in Central Texas in Austin, a great city, and it is a technology hub. So um, early on in my career, um, there were a lot of startups that were happening, and um, I was fortunate to get hired at one of them. Um, back then, uh Marketing was definitely more of a, of a cost center. And um, this is uh, pre-marketing automation, pre-email automation. And a lot of the revenue was generated by events and in-person uh, trade shows. So I was actually hired for uh, an event marketing position. Um, as my career developed, uh, email automation and marketing automation started coming on the scene. And I saw it as a, a really good way of... Um, being accountable for the initiatives that we were doing, and I started investigating it. Uh, I was fortunate that our company was uh, adopted a marketing automation tool early on, and so uh, my skill set and um, my forte started to develop in that direction. So, uh, yes, I have been both on the corporate side, and then a little after um, that. Uh, working at that company, I went to the agency side. So I was able to um, see both sides of the fence and advise other organizations on how to adopt best practices and um, and help their marketing team become more focused on revenue and accountability. All
0: right. I have to point out to our listeners, um, you're in Texas. It seems like an obscene amount of the of the guests on this show so far have been from Texas. It's not intentional. Um, we, we schedule people we think will be good guests and there, there just happens to be a lot of you guys in Texas these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on here and, um, you know, but there are marketers all over the U S and I've worked with a lot of them. Um, but you know, we're a tight knit group over here. And and so many of us know each other.
0: Nice. I guess Texas is just a great hub of B2B marketing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's that's kind of your background. What about just so for the listeners, so they know what you do uh, there at SourceDay and what SourceDay does? Can you can you give a little bit of a um, maybe an elevator pitch almost on what SourceDay does and then what your day to day is like there?
1: Yeah, definitely. So SourceDay is a software company, and we create automation for uh, the purchase order process of uh, manufacturing and distribution companies. Um, many distribution companies and manufacturing have to buy all the parts and pieces, uh, needed to make the widgets that they sell. And we automate that procurement process and help manufacturing and distribution companies become, um, more focused on efficiencies and and process and revenue.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, um, your day to day there, I mean, we're talking today about the marketing and sales connection that, that critical connection between those two departments. Um, it used to be so a- adversarial. Um, before we get to that, uh, can you speak a little bit to your day to day? And I'm sure you're in marketing. I'm sure you, you're involved with the connection with sales, but that's probably not the only thing you do. Um, yep. What What kind of stuff do you cover over there now?
1: So I cover everything that is marketing. And and I have um, been fortunate when I am on the corporate side to work with companies that are um, small to medium size where you wear many hats. And so I'm used to um, doing not only the uh, revenue performance management, the lead gen, uh, the sales and marketing alignment, but everything else that comes along with marketing. So uh, that's product marketing, that is uh, PR, that's analyst relations, that's content creation. So anything having to do with marketing, I'm involved in. Um, So what they would call
0: in uh, in a software, people would call a full stack. You're a full stack marketer.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I, I think that it's really important because um, so much of marketing is very broad and and there's so many different facets of it. Um, I feel fortunate because everything that I come at in marketing is focused on pipeline and revenue. Um, And I think that that has uh, kind of made a difference in uh, my approach to marketing and then the impact that me and my team are making within the company. Um, Not that none of those other things aren't important. I just think that if you keep that in mind, it it, uh, makes interacting with the executives, interacting with the board, interacting with sales and all the different departments a little bit easier.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to have a, a big picture. Uh, kind of before you can have a small picture, I guess. Exactly. So the sales and marketing connection, can you give just kind of, a, I guess, a big picture of, uh, of what you're talking about when you're talking about the sales and marketing connection and then we'll drill in from there?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I have worked in many different types of organizations and I know that there are some where the sales and marketing alignment isn't great. And I currently work in one where I feel that there is a very tight um, and strong bond between marketing and sales. Um, I think Serious Decision has said that, you know, if a company has a tight marketing and sales alignment, there is a 24% uh, faster growth and 27% faster profit um, growth year over year. So I think it's a really important um, thing, but it's easier said than done. Um, and what happens, I think, is that when you have to think about marketing and sales alignment, you have to kind of take a little bit of a step back because it's not something that that either naturally happens or happens overnight. Sometimes if you're lucky, maybe that could happen. But I think it's more of understanding what your particular organization is like, um, you know, how it's structured and think about, you know, how does marketing fit into that and and work from there? Um, If that if you are in a place where maybe the marketing and sales alignment isn't um, natural or it isn't instantaneous, then you have to think about ways on, on getting that to work. And I, I do feel that you can get it to work. Um, you just have to have be a little bit more strategic about it um, and think about it a little bit more.
0: Like there's this natural thing in the past that people, I, I think, you know, they've read the Dilbert comics, and they just think sales and marketing are supposed to be fighting with each other. And then in, in consumer marketing, where most people come from, it's just you don't have the connection. They don't have to really work together. You've got billboards and TV ads, and and there's you know historically no tracking of anything. So how are they going to work together? They just become scapegoats for each other. And then that's what everybody knows but then we get into the B2B sure. space and we've got Martech now and we can track everything. We've got marketers actually being commissioned on sales now because you can track stuff back so much. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems like you kind of have to break that uh, in some people. If you identify that it's not just a lack of, of connection properly between sales and marketing, but you, you probably run into some people that are actively, you know, pitting the departments against each other.
1: Yeah. I think that there might be some of that. And I, I, In my experience, I think that that's more of kind of how the organization is structured. Um, I do feel that a good, strong marketing and sales alignment comes from the top down. Um, How the executives uh, not only feel about sales, but how they feel about marketing. And um, I think that that's one way that a marketer can kind of determine what the climate is is just you know how, how is marketing positioned within the company and what how, how do the executives feel and are they promoting this alignment if they're not promoting the alignment then it's going to be a lot more difficult i think to to achieve it not impossible but i i think that it's going to take a lot of work um the organizations that i have seen um where is successful. And then it's typically a successful company is where it's coming from the executives and the top down saying this, this is something that we want to make sure is happening, um, that these two departments are in sync. Um, and, and you, there's definitely some, some ways to do that. Um, but if you realize that you're in an organization where that's not going to happen, then it's, it's, you know, again, you might have to evaluate if that's something somewhere you that's want really be, I guess, important too. <laughs> to you. Um, right, exactly. Well, because I think that that there's also going to be some uphill climbing for marketing if that's kind of where right. what the climate is. If there's other, you could end up sabotaging your career
0: when you get in the wrong company. We've talked about it before in this podcast, and for people who really, you know, really are, aren't just struggling within their job but planning on going somewhere, you really got to look at your company and make sure it, it's the right fit for you, not just that. Uh, you know, that they'll accept you, but exactly. that they're going to allow you to grow and become a successful mm-hmm. marketer.
1: Exactly. I, I I completely agree. And, um, you, you know, you have to kind of evaluate that because um, I think that one of the things that will probably pop up is this old school sales guy or old school sales team um, but marketing is, is very much on the forefront and, and marketing is evolving pretty quickly. And I, I see in, in my experience, I've seen organizations where they are, they are promoting the evolution of the sales team just as much as they're promoting the, sale, the evolution of the marketing team. Um, and I think that that's kind of how the, the groups kind of get closer and closer together, where I, I kind of, in, in my current state, see us pretty much in the same place. I mean, we we sit together, we have meetings together, we interact together. I mean, there's, there's a huge meshing of the two um, teams where it, it, there's a little bit of a blur of where one starts and That's where great. the other one uh, begins, or one ends and the other one begins. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's a lot harder if you have more of a traditional sales team that doesn't you know, t- typically doesn't value the efforts of marketing and understand the new role that marketing plays.
0: They see it as a scapegoat.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and that's always a very tricky place to get when there, when you start playing the blame game, and and that's kind of where things um, <laughs> can get go south pretty quickly.
0: So, when you talk about the blurred line, we've got the SDR uh, department here. And I know a lot of people have have uh, the sales development rep teams now, mm-hmm. and uh, would you classify those? Just a off the cuff question, kind of. Uh, would you put those into sales or into marketing?
1: You know, I I get asked this all the time, and in uh, uh, most of my positions um, in uh, the B two B space, the we call the, they could be SDRs, they can be uh, BDRs or MDRs, um, whatever you call them. Uh typically, that's the question. Do do they report to sales or do they report to marketing? In most of my experience, they've reported to marketing and currently they are reporting under my umbrella right now. I always say I don't care where they reside. It doesn't matter to me whether they report up to to sales, whether they report up to marketing, as long as there is are strong alignment. And that they understand exactly what campaign initiatives are being done, that they're involved in those campaign initiatives. They understand, uh, you know, the lead process and the lead handoff um, and they follow up on those things. As long as everything is in sync, then it doesn't matter to me, you know, where they reside. Um, but yeah, I get asked that, that all the time and in, it's still even a conversation internally right now in my company right. of wh- where they should be. And I always have the same, you know, like it doesn't matter to me as long as, as everybody's, uh, understanding where they fit and how they can contribute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it matters mm-hmm. to the, uh, what I, I see the tug of war always happening because sales wants to say, Hey, if there was our responsibility, then, then we want to, be compensated for them, you know. People want to want to uh, receive compensation on on those people, and if marketing is going to be the ones running and training them and whatnot, then marketing wants. It's, it's kind of that goes back to the age old fight of if if these guys are going to be assigned to us, we want to get credit for their activities. Uh, I, I guess you'd right. say. And then I guess I I mean I called them sales development reps, so I kind of uh, put them in a box right there of, of where they're going to be. Mm-hmm. If you call them sales development reps, and then you say that the marketing department is uh, responsible for them, then I guess that could cause confusion.
1: Yeah, exactly. And here we call them business development reps. So it kind of makes that, you know, they're not marketing development reps, they're not sales development reps, they're business development reps. So it kind of is a little ambiguous between between them. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think that the... The way that I like to approach it, and usually how I have it structured, if they are under uh, my umbrella, is just to make sure that um, the lead process and the sales process that you're completely aligned between marketing and sales, and that's that's actually important, you know, regardless of you're having the conversation about um, the SDRs, um, because I think that that's where you get that understanding of like, we're all accountable for the sales cycle. And I I always come to it. and I always come to sales saying, look, I feel just as accountable to the revenue and the the bottom line as you are. Now I may have a little bit more um, responsibilities at the front end. And I certainly respect your process um, on the latter end, but we are in this together. And I think that there's always this when you're starting to come together and seeing things in the same light, it, it just bridges all gaps because they they understand that you are understanding. You know, it's it's you're not coming at it as a us versus them kind of thing. You're not coming at it. at, at um, We're responsible for this. Well, you're responsible for that. If you're all responsible for everything together, then you know, those conversations are so much easier to have. And then those relationships just start to develop.
0: Yeah. I'm more on the marketing side myself now. I've worked on both sides, but I always say within our company, I tell people, Hey, the marketing department works for sales. That's what they're here for. So sales, these guys are an asset for you. You should be, uh, like you said, seeing, seeing the value in them and glad that they're there working for you because it doesn't mean you own them. It means that they're there to assist you. Like they're they're there to help you and, and you should appreciate that help kind of and, and help them the line. I always like to use uh, I think somebody might've used it before, but help me help you. Um, mm-hmm. I scream at people all the time, uh, when they're not cooperating with the help with that you're trying to give them. Um, but yeah, for sales to understand that marketing is there to help them. Marketing is there to assist them and they, you know, if they can work hand in hand, they can really get a lot more out of marketing, I guess. So, the connection between sales and marketing. One other area that uh, there's a lot of talk of in recent years is having, you know, the the VP of sales and marketing having one person oversee uh, both departments. Ultimately, where do you stand on on that debate?
1: You know, I think that there again, there's just so much to do. I think that there's so much to do in marketing, and there's so much to do in sales. That I I, I don't think that I am an advocate of that, just because there's not any possible way that one individual could be able to, um, you know, span both of those roles. I think adequately, right. uh, personally. Um, now, again, I think that if you uh, are hiring in, in an organization these executives for these two um, different departments, um, I'm making sure that the marketing uh, VP understands fully the sales process and then hiring a sales VP that understands the marketing process. I think that understanding each other's worlds is really important, but I think, I mean, I don't, I don't, ever feel like I'm covering all of the um, tasks and responsibilities adequately of just being one person and all the things that need to be done in marketing, I couldn't imagine having to to cover the sales side too.
0: I guess it's for much larger companies. I mean, ultimately, there's always somebody who's responsible for both sales and marketing. And you go up to the top, you have the CEO, the president, the owner, they're responsible for everything. Um, I think just in a larger company, having that person responsible for that kind of that's one more person between sales, marketing, and and that, uh, you know, that top level CEO person.
1: Yeah. And I've heard the like chief revenue officer, and there's a lot of companies that are going to that. Um, again, if that person completely understands both roles really well, and then can hire accordingly to support all of the different initiatives and things that happen, you know, I, I think that that would be right. But I still think that there needs to be a little bit of a, of a, a separation between the two. Yeah. Um, Because I think that just makes a well-rounded organization. Right.
0: Excellent. And then when you have a separation, you get back to our main point, the connection of that separation, Mm -hmm. um, that that sales and marketing connection. Uh, Do you have any kind of specific outline for key areas that in how they need to be connected? Uh, Anything like that you can share?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I typically, again, uh, whenever I enter into a new organization or if I am a consultant advising an organization, I always sit down and, first of all, ask, you know, how, what what is the relationship between sales and marketing? Um, and if you find out that there really isn't um, a lot of uh, interaction, if there really aren't any joint meetings, um, if... Uh, There's not really an understanding of each other's processes. That's probably one of the first things that you need to do is just establish that that relationship. Start having the the meetings and saying, let's sit down and talk about what the uh, sales process is, what our particular customer journey is. And typically what you'll find is that you'll go around the room and everyone has an idea of what that is. But uh, it's slightly different, you know, depending on person to person. And it's never really been documented. So if there's not that baseline of understanding um, with the documentation that everybody blesses, then I think it's really kind of difficult to have any more further uh, interaction or conversations. Um, so you you basically have to have that. Um, and then have that. Clear lead handoff process. Right. Um, if that is also something that hasn't really been established, then it, it's you know really difficult to repeat any of those processes. Yeah,
0: I've seen, regardless of the size of the company, the lead handoff is the thing that people seem to kind of take for granted. Like, oh yeah, lead is generated mm-hmm. and people are going to follow up with it, and they the the necessary information isn't passed off there because it's so taken for granted that here's a lead salespeople go get it. Um, and then salespeople go after it and there can be so much disconnect. It can be exactly.
1: horrifying to
0: look at that lead handoff and look what happened in something that you thought was so simple and can be simple. It's just, you need mm-hmm. a little bit of information has to be passed between the two parties.
1: Exactly. And and I think that it has to also be something that I uh, if if it's not understood, then it's really easy to start like, well, I thought they had it. Well, no, I thought they had it, or they're not giving me good enough, or they you know, all of those those arguments that can just get start getting kicked up um, can start to happen. But if everybody knows and it, it's blessed and it, that's um, communicated throughout the organizations, then then everyone's good. Yeah.
0: I've seen things as simple as a leads passed off, and it's from let's say a webinar. And they pass off, here's all the leads from this webinar, and they just give them to the salespeople to pursue. The salespeople are pursuing them. They don't know it's from a webinar. It's just a lead. It's like that simple. They don't even know it's... Or they don't know which people attended versus didn't attend. So when they're calling, the first couple of minutes of the call on every one of the leads ends up being trying to explain to the person or arguing with the person about whether they attended a webinar or not, or like the salespeople just aren't coached on here's the situation coming in, here's the approach coming in. Mm -hmm. So... I've I've heard so many arguments where like, why is a salesperson arguing with this person over whether they, you know, attended XYZ or downloaded this white paper or or whatever it is? And that's I mean, that's a a problem at the sales level, but the handoff can really affect that too. It's kind of a a drastic example, I think. But that hand that's a for anybody out there listening, that's a huge Mm -hmm. example of the type of handoff issue that you just you don't foresee. And it seems so simple, but sales guys get the leads, they just all the time. Yeah.
1: Right, it, it does happen all the time, um, and so not only do, should there be an understanding of like when the handoff happens, like to your point, it the, there needs to be uh, some information on you know where they come from and and how warm are they and how engaged are they. Uh, I you know I always always harp on um, in everything I do about the people process and technology. So you know there's there's the people and they obviously have to be able um, to have the skill set to come to the table. Um, but the processes are really important. And so not only do you have to like, this is the lead off, pro, uh, process, but these are all of the things that we're doing on this side of, um, I, I call it the side of the opportunity. I mean, cause to me, the clear delineation is, is that opportunity created right. again, everyone has that accountability from, from, um, lead attain, uh, um, attainment all the way down to the, um, to the closed one, um, but to me, that that kind of line in the sand a little bit is is the opportunity creation. So what's happening pre-opportunity? And then everyone has to be on the same page of what's happening post opportunity. And uh, this needs to be, you sat down and talked about and then once that is okay so what's going on on both sides i always say that um there's a lot of value that marketing can bring post opportunity but i'm very respectful of the process post opportunity that that's to me where you know the the handoff happens and then sales takes it and then they work their magic yeah they
0: get very territorial Um, when marketing wants to contact them at that point they do
1: and I'm extremely respectful for that. And, I, and I, we put in processes that the technology supports to make sure and ensure that, you know, marketing doesn't, you know, step on any of those toes. And um, unless the uh, sales department says, hey, we need some help on these certain things on this side um, of the opportunity, and then we jump in. But making sure that we're not, you know, sending them a marketing campaign that maybe the sales team at that point does not want communicated to those prospects. Right. So again, it's just, it's kind of a, a, a yin and yang kind of thing. Um, and the other thing that I, I, I do, and I try to set up all the time is uh, a process where um, so marketing, you know, gets the lead, they obtain the, the name, they, they nurture the lead. Uh, maybe the uh, BDRs will further qualify them. But I always try to make it a point that the sales team is the person or the group that decides whether it's an opportunity or not. Right. And the reason that I do that is to make sure and ensure that um, sales can at, at any point come back and say, hey, you're giving us bad opportunities. You're, you're not giving us good leads. Well, if they're the ones that are determining whether they're good or not and that they're officially going to you know, accept them, and uh, start working on them and putting their time into them. That they're the ones that determine that. Yeah. And I find that that makes it, you know, really um, seamless. And and you just avoid a lot of possible issues that can come down the road.
0: Yep. Now you're using a lot of uh, words that I recognize as kind of CRM trigger words, and we haven't talked about CRM at all yet. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you're talking about the opportunities in there, the closed one, all that kind of stuff. Where does the CRM come into play in this in this uh, integration?
1: You know, so I think that there's a lot of marketers out there that um, live and breathe. And and I certainly do in in a marketing automation system. And there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, Because I am so focused on revenue, um, accountability to the sales process, a lot of what I do and where I live is in the CRM. That's where the salespeople live. That's where all their information is. And so um, I need to make sure that... Not only do I understand uh, what our particular CRM is and the instance and how it's set up, but I have um, a voice and a say of how that's set up because I need for it to do certain marketing processes and support certain marketing processes. And then I have to understand what's going on once the... you know, a lead becomes an opportunity and what happens on that side. And then I need to be able to report on those things. So I think that it's a, again, the people processes and technologies, you know, it comes together and it's, it's extremely important to a marketer. And if there are marketers out there that really don't understand, um, we use Salesforce, there's a lot out there, but we use Salesforce. They don't understand the technology. They need to get in there. They they have to, to be able to stay relevant and understand, uh, what's happening uh, with all of the initiatives and things that they're doing, all the budget that they're using. They have to know what's happening in, in that technology. Yeah, I guess
0: I'd say one nowadays one button in a CRM somewhere can drastically change the outcome of a campaign.
1: It can, yeah.
0: If you don't know that button or if you don't know that search field or segment, uh-huh. then you know you can just get a large percentages less outcome than, than you could have if you knew how to do that little that little tweak that you can do with this technology now
1: exactly
0: excellent well um, I want to uh, I want to cut out to break uh, but after break I'd like to talk about kind of these the sales messaging versus marketing messaging you'd mentioned that earlier I'd, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more um, and then you know anything else you have with the the sales marketing connection maybe the tech stack Mention a couple of tech stacks that, that you like or, or have seen out there being successful that kind of stuff so we're gonna jump to break and we'll be back in just a minute our episode today is brought to you by Engageo. If you're thinking about ABM and not sure how to start or which plays to run, Engageo just came out with a new playbook for marketers featuring 16 plays that have been tested in the field to get results. Check them out at engageo.com orchestration. Hello and welcome back to the If You Market podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. I'm here again with the uh, Erica Lanyon, the VP of Marketing at SourceDay. Erica, did I butcher your name there?
1: No, you got it perfect.
0: Excellent. Um, so we were talking about the, uh, marketing and sales connection or sales and marketing connection. However, people want to say it, the, the critical connection between those two departments. Um, we covered a lot of stuff in the first half here. A couple things I want to make sure we get to in the second half, uh, reporting the messaging between the departments. Um, you brought up the people processes technology a lot, we'll get to the tech stack in there. And then, uh, also, I guess to start off, Sales and marketing connection is important, but it seems more and more that there are companies out there that don't really have a sales department, these software as a service companies, where when you dial one for sales, all you get is a voicemail. And it's basically marketing drives people to the site. They make a purchase on the site from multiple options, and that's it. What do you think about that? I mean, it's just kind of a random thing to throw out there, but uh, is there a sales and marketing connection there? Do they still have a sales department of some type?
1: That's a good question. I, You know, I, I tend to think that they do. Um, I've never worked in a company where um, it's a, such a high transactional type of a sale. Usually my sales cycles are a little bit longer, so there is definitely a need for um, sales and the sales expertise. Um, I have to think that there there is someone driving that. It, it just seems like there would be a lot of um, the process missing. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, unless it's just such a high transactional thing where you can just put your credit card in um, and then there's really not very much
0: customer support after. It's, it's almost like it's more of a consumer. It's still it's B2B, but they're acting like a consumer business at that point.
1: Exactly. Um, and it's just uh, not really a, a environment that I've ever been in.
0: Yeah. So the number one complaint in, in our meetings and our sales and marketing meetings that our sales guys have is, hey, we're you know we're getting these companies and they look like a good target, but – there's no, there's nobody to talk to there. Like Mm -hmm. they, nobody answers the phone. They just have a website. It's software as a service and they can just buy off the website. Uh, And that's, that's it.
1: Right. I I just, I find that sometimes a little frustrating myself when I'm on that other side, when I'm
0: on the consumer side. It's a different type of business model, maybe. Anyway, just want to throw that out to start with. Sorry, just something that popped into mind for me. Uh, Let's get back to the topic at hand, the sales and marketing connection for those companies that have both departments. Um, (laughs) how about we talk a little more about the messaging? Uh, I think you'd mentioned you want to talk about that, the messaging and having both departments on the same messaging.
1: Exactly. I think that, um, well, w- one thing that I see that happens with organizations, um, and, and a lot of times this is a, an element that depending on the um, the growth of the organization and how mature it is, that they may not have a, sales enablement group or sales sales enablement person. And I think what happens a lot of times are the messaging um, for the company and the product uh, and the offering um, gets a little confused with what sale, sales enablement. And I think that right. that again has to have be a conversation that uh, either the marketing and sales uh, leads or heads or executives have, or the two groups have to make it sure when, Sales, if they're requesting something, are they requesting a piece of content that they can use to sell or, or do they need some just type of sales enablement like information um, that they can then uh, use to to continue their sales process? Um, but I think that it's really important the more that you can combine um, efforts and include each other on those efforts both not only marketing when they're developing marketing initiatives and messaging and content but sales when they're um, developing their process and what works and um, what they communicate uh, to their prospects. The more that that's combined I think the better when marketing is t- trying to put uh, messaging together for uh, for their organization, they need to talk to all the different departments. They need to talk to customers. They need to talk to prospects if, if possible. They need to talk to partners in the channel. Um, because right, right. I think that once if you start doing that um, just on your own, um, kind of what marketing thinks that the messaging should be, I find that oftentimes that you're either missing a huge piece or, or you're just slightly off and it just starts to the sound Marketing's like,
0: got a great idea, but there's right. a reason that that's going to fail at the sales level. Exactly. Great at the marketing right. level, but bad at the sales level for some reason
1: right and, and they and they're the ones that you know have uh, they they talk to the prospect a lot more than than marketing does a lot of times it's on we're doing it on the digital side and we're engaging and we're engaging a lot earlier uh in the sales process but they're physically talking and hearing what the pain points are and um trying to solve those um or present the the product or the service to be able to solve those so it's really important that they're on there
0: I've heard people say that the sales team is the, the number one brand of, the, of, of a company because most people's interaction in a B2B company is with the sales team. But it seems like you're kind of saying that it's also the number one kind of market market research, you might almost say, because they have so much interaction with, with clients, with potential clients and, and whatnot, that their feedback for the marketing department is, is extremely critical since they have so much interaction with these people.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, depending on the organization, it could also be set up, set up where, you know, uh, post close one, um, after the prospect, prospect becomes a customer, um, that they're the account manager as well, or that they're involved in some type of cross sell or upsell. So they, I feel, have a closer relationship to prospects and customers typically than, than marketers do. Um, right. now, you know, there's a lot, you know, I, I do talk to a lot of our, um, customers, um, I use a lot of customers for references and uh, for analyst relations and those type of things, but I still don't think that I've developed the uh, relationship that a salesperson has and has more frequent conversations. So it's really important that they're on uh, on there, and then they're going to be you know taking that message and running with it. So if it doesn't work for them, it's going to be kind of hard to make that message successful.
0: Right, and I guess it it goes right back then to that whole handoff of the lead making sure that the messaging from marketing is flowing through to sales. So if you don't have the lead handoff and you don't have the messaging right, like you're, you're not even going to find out the messaging's right. I, I guess if enough information is being pushed in that lead handoff, then the sales might come back and say, hey, I can't I can't come in with this angle. I can't, you know, this, is, this isn't going to help me out. So these things really all do work together. And I guess it goes all back to that joint meetings communication thing.
1: C- correct. Right. I mean, I, yeah, you know, they may not even know what messaging you've created because you know a lot of times, and and I say this all the time, where if we don't provide something for sales, they're just going to go and do it themselves, um, and that's it, You know, that, that's not really what marketing wants sales to do. Um, you know, we're kind of the owner of the brand and the owner of the the style guide and owner of the messaging, and so you you want to make sure that that's all getting um, you know sent out properly um, outside of your organization.
0: I mean, salespeople's jobs to sell and the good ones, if they're not given something that works, they'll make something up and it Completely. might not be what you want. <laughs> They've got quota
1: to attain. To yeah, exactly. They're going to get it, um, regardless. And so, uh, might as well, uh, be a partnership with them to be able to, to get that, um, and help them get that.
0: So where are you at with the sales and marketing departments working in the same space, kind of, whether it's the same building, the same actual office space, you know, within the same walls, that kind of thing?
1: I, th- I think it's imperative. And, um, you know, this is something that I've kind of just learned just by experience, because I know um, in the situations that we are sitting, like, right next to each other, not only are you communicating of your process and everything, the messaging, but you're developing personal relationships and you get closer in that way. And I think that in any work situation, the closer that you are with your coworkers, um, the better. And so, uh, we're, we're literally right next to each other. Our desks are, you know, sitting all in one place. So you get to hear the conversations, you get to, um, hear what the questions are. I think that that's probably the biggest thing is that if, uh, sales has a question about something or they have a need, it's not like they're just talking amongst themselves. You can hear it and you can address it right then. Um, I don't know how many times, and, and this happens with a lot of companies where you actually have the information that they need. It just wasn't ever clearly sent out or communicated. They don't know. I've yeah. got so many things to do, right. They don't know that it exists. And so you're able to provide that before they go and recreate the wheel or go and do it themselves.
0: I had a new person ask me on the floor the other day about a, you know specific information on a certain uh, product. We've got a PDF with all the information you can send. Like you should have this memorized and know exactly where it is and be sending it. And it was you know one of those. Oh, if you know somebody's got to be there to hear this. I, I don't know the sales. Um, how it got to that point in it, but yeah, I guess having, having marketing sitting where they can hear the stuff, at least some of marketing, maybe some companies are, are too large to have them, you know, on the same floor, but if nothing else, maybe you've got to have a spy in the room there, uh, listening, listening in on this stuff and having lunch with the salespeople and whatnot, or a liaison, a sales to marketing liaison.
1: Exactly. Um, well, and I think that so many things change. So it, you, it, I, I get stressed at the beginning uh, of this podcast about uh, making sure that the processes are aligned and you sit there and you understand what the sales cycle is. And um, But things happen within your market space all the time. Uh, if you, know, you might have all your personas mapped out, but the salespeople are probably one of the first groups to be able to say, "You know what? There's another persona on uh, on the scene," and you know we typically uh, sold to this department or this group of people within an organization, but now maybe IT is starting to pop up, or something with um, you know the finance department is they're starting to get involved in the sales process. You, you need to know about those things so then you can prepare for them and then together develop the persona, develop that specific messaging, um, possibly the marketing campaigns that you need to attack that new group of people. Um, and that just doesn't happen if you both are in your own separate little bubbles. Um, so I think that sometimes there might be a little bit of a resistance to uh, marketers getting close to sales, um, especially if there's a little bit of animosity there. But the closer that you can get, the better, because that's the more information that you're getting to be able to help them and and help your own efforts.
0: It's interesting. You mentioned that as you're talking, I'm thinking thoughts are just spinning through my head and I'm realizing that um, here in our company, every Friday we have a a ping pong tournament or a dart tournament or just some type of fun interaction thing for for everybody in the office. And I've, I'd never really, it never stuck out to me, but people will, will all just be milling around talking to each other while this is going on. And uh having kind of informal events where people can come together, not just a sales and marketing mm-hmm. meeting where they'll naturally talk about work, they'll talk about other stuff too, but these kind of things can come up. It's an opportunity for people to casually ask each other questions about what's going on in different areas. I'd never thought of kind of the value of that type of an event in that way, but you know, a company picnic, people are probably going to talk a decent amount about business and uh, you know, they might find things out they wouldn't have otherwise.
1: Exactly. Uh, we, you know, this is, there's really great culture here and I'm very fortunate, um, to be at a company with really great culture that everyone gets along and we, we do those things and they're not really, you know, forced fun. It's not something that, um, is, is put upon us by the company.
0: Um, I like that word though. I might call it forced fun Fridays. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's it, it's not. It's it's you know we all just kind of all do it together. Um, we'll go and have a cookout outside or eat lunch outside, and we do have a ping pong table. I think it's uh, you know one of those things that every company is starting to have. Um, but it really helps. It helps with that interaction because that's the only way as an organization. Because the first thing for each individual is we need to make this company successful, then we need to make the team successful, then I need to make myself successful. And we all kind of think that and have that same philosophy here. Um, And I find that those are the best companies to work for is the ones that where you're just, this is a big, huge team effort and we're all working towards that same goal. If there's a big rift between big, huge, important groups of the company, then that's probably not going to happen. And those are two really important groups that need to be working together.
0: Yeah, when we first started doing that, one of the things I noticed is I wanted to pit departments against each other. I was just like, "Oh, we'll have sales versus marketing or something. and people weren't really interested in doing that. And I realized really quick, oh, that's a good thing. They don't, you know, they don't want to have a, a manufactured rift between each other. I guess if, if two departments were really at odds with each other, they would be, uh, you know, they would really be champing at the bit to to compete against each other in that kind of way. Um, so I guess it's a good sign when when they all get along on those kind of things too. When you talk about you know, the sales and marketing connection, I guess it's just not just CRMs and lead handoff, but also actual personal interaction connection.
1: Right. And I think that you celebrate each other's victories. Um, I've worked in organizations where there, you know, is a rift between marketing and sales. And what I started to see happening is, um, I guess you started def- defending um, your accomplishments. So with reporting, you could get into uh, the CRM and see, okay, so X amount of pipeline was created uh, directly from marketing efforts and X amount of pipeline, uh, excuse me, revenue was created um, by marketing efforts. And then sales has their reporting mechanisms and those numbers were not reconciling. Um, But when you have a good marketing and sales alignment, then I see that sales says, hey, this was... A closed one deal that came directly from this particular marketing initiative and i want to make sure that everybody knows that that's what happened and marketing can also say if this closed in a shorter amount of time because sales jumped on it and they did everything that they needed to do and worked their magic and now we've got revenue for the company and you start to celebrate each other and and it becomes again more of a joint effort than Uh, you know, us versus them type of mentality.
0: And I guess the opposite of office politics where people start messing with the numbers just to be able to, you know, you can't even trust the numbers that you're trying to make business decisions off anymore because both sides have found, you know, here's the numbers that are measured and here's how we can skew them in our favor kind of.
1: Exactly. Well, and I think that that's where um, the tools come into play. Um, And again, I think that this needs to be something that um, is brought from the top down. Of th- this is the tool of record and uh, this is what we're going to use and everyone needs to adopt it and utilize it. Um, I find that, and I worked in a, in an organization where they would say that, but they were just, you know, really soft on, on, um, on that mandate. And then what would happen is that I would have my numbers and they would come from the CRM. I say, this comes directly from Salesforce where the salespeople were in Excel spreadsheets. And I have a saying that my uh, Salesforce report trumps your spreadsheets, but this organization was not, it was very, very sales oriented. And so they would still take the spreadsheets over um, what was in the tool.
0: They had given all the power to the sales team, kind of whatever exactly. they say. Yeah. I've and heard that terrible. a similar statement about CRMs and we have one in our company so many times on this podcast, you know, as few podcasts as we've had to this point. We've heard it so many times, I'm sure we're going to hear it on every other podcast still. And the mantra was just kind of that, if it's not in the CRM, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what we preach at our company. I've heard other companies use the exact same mantra. And I, I thought it was just something that we came up with. But no, apparently a lot of companies realize that that's, um has to be pushed on to people. I know when when all the MarTech and CRMs and all that stuff started becoming really big, um, you know, the big issue with them was, yeah, you go ahead and implement a CRM, but good luck getting your salespeople to buy in, you know, good luck getting them to actually use it. You're just going to have to use it for other stuff. And that that was always the issue. How do you get them to actually use the system? Because, you know, they'll hold people hostage in that. Hey, you want sales from us? Then let us do our thing kind of, Right. Uh, you want me to fill out this form or make a sale? That's the, the type of attitude I remember hearing back in the day when, when trying to give us a, a CRM to salespeople.
1: Right. And I think, again, it, it's just one of those things of making sure that, that people adopt it and um, and use it so then you can track, you can forecast, and you can um, tell what's coming down and what's working. That, I think, is really important for, for reporting and metrics as well, because in, in what I do, I don't only report on, on marketing initiatives and, and the accomplishments of marketing. I also... Uh, report on on sales and on partner on the channel, because for me and being a marketing ex- executive, I want to make sure if if partners are doing something that's really really important, and you know, partner marketing is, is under my umbrella, that then we can focus a little bit more resources and efforts towards that. So I, my my goal is w- what's working, and let's focus on that. If something isn't working, I'm not so just hard on on it has to, it has to come from marketing or it doesn't come from anywhere. I want to make sure that it, if, if sales are, are sourcing a lot of the, the good leads, the ones that are turning into opportunities and are, are closing and are um, high deal sizes, then let's help them and figure out what we can do um, to further that cause a little bit. So I think that that's also something that I've seen in, in uh, my past is that everyone has a quota of, of, MQLs and SQLs and, and, um, opportunities. And, um, everyone's like, no, my, my, my numbers are the right ones or a partner did the channel did better than marketing did. Well, great. That's, I celebrate that. Let me see what I could do to help.
0: Part of this connection then you've, you've, uh, talked about it a little bit a couple of times as I stumble over my tongue here, but uh, reporting and the reporting with this sales marketing connection. Can you can you speak to how that works a little bit? Uh, what you recommend within this the, the the reporting that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I think that for marketers you have to understand what's important and and open rates and click through rates and all of those things. They're important because they they help us do our job better and and um, perfect what we're doing. But what sales and executives want to know is how uh, how much pipeline was generated and um, how much uh, revenue was generated and where was it sourced? Where did it come from? And whatever's working, let's do more of that. So again, you have to make sure that you understand what you're going to report on and then set all of your process and your technology to be able to support that and track that and report on it.
0: So tracking back to the marketing source kind of or sales source or whatever it came from is is really critical in, in, in that uh, integration, I guess, between the two departments?
1: Completely. And I feel that you know, I try to educate as much as I can on what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And then they get used to it. And you know no one ha- i don't know if any salesperson or sales team or sales executive has ever said hey can you give me a weekly report or can you give me uh, a quarterly report i i just do it i put it but they together they want
0: the leads they want the leads to show up on the report
1: <laughs> they certainly want the leads but i like okay so here are the leads and here's the reporting that goes along with it and and i walk them through what i'm tracking and that's where they that, that trust starts to get developed i think that more th- more than anything out of all of this the overarching theme is the the trust in the relationship it it is fragile and and that is something that can be broken it and it can be fixed but once you get that trust and they understand where you're coming from and you understand where they're coming from then i think that that's where really the magic starts to happen
0: yeah and it seems like even if you have a salesperson that's let's say adversarial with the marketing if when you have those numbers in a report when you're tracking things back and you can see hey here's you know here's here's the sales that came from the salesperson they went out and got them whatever it is but here's here's the sales they closed that originated marketing um, when you can actually show them the numbers most people will get you know, can be influenced by the numbers. They can look at it and say, oh, wow. Exactly. That's where those deals came from. And they'll, they'll start to get a little more appreciation for the marketing side, maybe not fight with marketing as much and work together when they realize, oh, marketing is here to feed me. And, uh, you know, this it, it's a good thing and it's not a, a competition kind of.
1: Exactly. And it just takes a couple of really good deals for for most individual sales guys to start coming, you know, closer Um, If they are a little bit distant, you know, they, they see the value and they see what you can, can provide. That's where it's really great. And then there, I don't want, I don't think they should be dependent completely, but I definitely think that there needs to be a, you know, a, a really good cohesiveness,
0: yeah, maybe a healthy appreciation. I've noticed the first time you get a sales guy to come over to the marketing department and say, "Hey, can I have more of this? <laughs> you right know, this this thing you gave me right here. I want more of this." You say, "Okay." Not only is that great feedback, but now that guy is bought into the marketing. He's a he's an ally to the marketing department, and you, and you know it at that point. Completely. So I want to get into a couple more things before we finish here. Uh, the tech stack. For uh, for the sales and marketing integration specifically, there's a ton of Martech out there for for sales, a ton for marketing. But what about this gap between sales and marketing? Or you know, sometimes it's just a CRM. I understand that, and that's that bridges the gap. But um, anything from CRM to very specific stuff that you like, recommend, have seen out there?
1: Well, I'm a huge um, advocate of the crawl, walk, run when it comes to organizations, um, and this is definitely. Um, to be said on the technology side, because there are just so, so much that you can implement.
0: Right. I think what you're saying out there for everybody is don't go out and get like <laughs> 20 MarTech solutions and say, here's my tech stack. Now I need to learn them and use them. Right. Yeah. And I
1: think that that's one of the first things that happens um, when you enter a, a marketing group is um, you just start get, getting called by sales guys to to buy um, whatever marketing or sales technology they're selling. Um, So I just I always just start with, there really needs to be a marketing automation and there needs to be a a good CRM. Um, Those need to be adopted. Now, I do see a lot of marketing automation functionality that is sold to either the market development reps, the business development reps to use, or the sales team so they can have a little bit of visibility within what's going on with marketing. In my experience, Mm -hmm. I, I don't see a lot of adoption on that. You know, if it's not really in the CRM, it's it's hard for them to to utilize.
0: Any um, specific solutions in there that you've seen? Not to say you like one better than the other, unless you do, but just to throw out a couple of names so people know what you're talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah. So I know that Marketo, I believe Eloqua, and Pardot all have these kind of uh, Salesforce add-ons where the sales team can send out templates and you know see if uh, or send out mass emails. Um, see if they're open, what the open rates are, all of those type of things. And then also see, you know, the uh, lead scoring and whether something is hot, whether, you know, someone has engaged and it just has a lot more visibility. And in my experience, we've implemented them and it just wasn't, you know, widely used. And again, I think it was just a little in those situations, a little much, for the sales team. They're like, we're, we're, we're just getting, you know, all of the things that we need to do within the CRM. And then you're asking us to kind of do this other, other thing.
0: Right. And that's the walk before you run things. Exactly. So they might really want it. They just don't want it all at once. They don't want it all at once.
1: But I am seeing, yeah, you know, a little bit of a shift where the sales team is starting to adopt more and more tools, but it typically it's, you know, something that's going to bring New leads to light, not necessarily um, show you all of the engagement that particular lead has has um, has done. And so uh, I know LinkedIn has a sales navigator that seems to be really popular because sales teams can prospect on their own, get a little bit more contact information. We did implement something that is a little bit like a a marketing automation tool where you can send out emails and see if somebody has opened. It seems to be working really well. But again, I think it's like there's so much out there that see what the tolerance level is for each group. And what they're going to use, because you're going to just end up spending a monthly fee on something that just isn't utilized or valuable.
0: I know we've done that here. I think pretty much every company out there, everybody listening is raising their hand right now yeah. saying, yeah, we did that. We did that. And some of those tools are really useful. And one of the things I've seen to speak what you said is you'll implement them, but it's too much. It's, you know, it's giving somebody all the materials on the first day of training kind of, and they would have been implemented and they would have used it, but because they got overwhelmed with it initially, um, they never really want to look at it again. Exactly. So they're not yeah. going to give it a second look. That first impression is done and it's bad. And well, now this tool that would have been useful once they were comfortable with everything else and had a little bit of a extra bandwidth kind of now, uh, they just kind of have a bad taste for.
1: I, I agree. And I think it's just knowing when to, to introduce something new. Uh, and then again, having the support and the training for it.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And I, I've noticed also, and I'm sure some of the listeners have noticed, that uh, it seems my favorite word is excellent. I start every response with it. Um, apparently on the podcast, I just caught myself saying it again. But uh, again, excellent. <laughs> Anything else we need to hit on before we wrap things up here?
1: You know, I think, again, it's, I find it way more enjoyable to work in an organization where you're working with a department rather than against uh, the sales team and, and really amazing things can happen uh, once you do have that marketing and sales alignment. And then you start to evolve and all of the technology and all the new processes and all of the new things that happen, you you can implement together. And, you know, when you have two great groups with great people in it, it's just going to be that much more fun when you, you know, combine that. So, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And I guess, oh, can you give us one or two tips, like, the, the top thing or two that, that you would recommend people do to kind of help integrate the sales and marketing teams?
1: I think it's understanding each other's worlds. You're, you're certainly not going to win any group over if you don't understand what they're going through and um, what their process is. And then help educate them to to learn what yours is. Um, and then I think when you have that clear understanding, then all of the, uh, you know, sales cycles and sales process and lead handoffs, all of that will fall into place. Um, but once you, you just understand what each other's worlds are.
0: Ah, perfect. And, I, and I'd say a kind of piggybacking on top of that um, is in and trying to understand each other's worlds. Marketing really needs to understand that sales have a quota and mm-hmm. experimenting with them is not something they enjoy because it's their job on the line. Marketing doesn't typically have a quota where if you don't make your number, you're gone. Uh, so with marketing, be very careful looking to experiment with your salespeople because they really don't appreciate that when they realize you were, you know, A/B testing them or something like that in a way that directly affects their sales.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: they, yeah, they don't want you playing around with their, with, with them and with their results because they are so heavily measured on that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard, and you know they could get really great. Awesome commission checks, and then sometimes they can't. So it's a stressful, stressful way, and that's why not everyone has a sales gene. I, I say that all the time. I don't have the sales gene. I don't have the flower arranging gene or the sales gene. Um, <laughs> and that's why I'm in marketing. Um, but you know, again, you have to respect what they do, and and they don't have necessarily the marketing gene either. So you have to work together um, to be successful. And I think if you communicate, communicate, communicate then that that's where the, it comes together. It's all about communication.
0: All right. I'm going to use a different positive word here and say, awesome. Uh, this has been a pleasure speaking with you, Erica. This is uh, Erica Lanyon of Source Day. She's the VE marketing over there. And if you want to find Erica, you can just find her on LinkedIn, just uh, Erica Lanyon. That's E-R-I-C-A-L-A-N-Y-O-N. And uh, Twitter just the same. You got your uh, your name, Erica Lanyon. Great, very nice. Well,
1: thank you so much for uh, inviting me. This was this was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. So for Sky Cassidy and uh, Erica Lanyon, this is if you market the If You Market podcast, and we will see you next time.